Good morning. It's good to see all of you here today, and it's uh, it's a privilege to be in this very special place. I've had a long-standing relationship with the First Alliance family back when they were down in the middle of Erie, and Emil Brinkman was the pastor. Now I'm dating myself. That's getting back. That was when I was very young. I was a teenager. But anyway, that, and then I was uh, good friends with uh, some of your more recent pastors, and uh, certainly the current one. Uh, praise God for Mike Kazarowski and his ministry. But uh, I was uh, with, uh, when I went across, or overseas actually, with uh, Rick Crocker. We went to a preaching congress in Scotland together and then uh, traveled around London a little bit together. We had just a, a great time and uh, enjoyed, have enjoyed all the different pastors and folks of of this family through the years. So I thank God for you and the privilege of coming here today. And uh, praise God that he's answering prayer for for Ali Kazarowski and the, the family. And we need to continue to, to pray for them, of course. Eunice, what were you thinking? My college roommate's sister had hitchhiked to work very early in the morning in Nyack, New York, about 20 miles north of New York City. Her brother and I couldn't believe that she'd done that. All we could think of were the terrible consequences of what she could have had experienced because of her bad judgment. Now he scolded his older sister while I nodded in affirmation, okay? Told her, never do that again. We'd either one of us to give you a ride. Most of us have had lapses in good judgment in life. Wouldn't it be a hoot if we all told our stories? Well, maybe not a hoot. I think we'd be stunned that some of us are still alive. Like the time I was driving my dad's Mercury on Interstate 90. I had all of a a year or two's driving experience And I was, no doubt, as overconfident as most young drivers are. And I decided I wanted to see how fast this car could go. Now, for some of you, this will just go over your heads, but for some of you, you'll understand, okay? This is a time when we only had bias ply tires. Okay, no high-speed tires whatsoever. No seatbelts. No airbags. Um, I mean, you know. It was even before the time that the government decided that no speedometer on a car should go above 85 miles an hour. Do you remember that season we went through with that? Okay. Well, this one on my dad's Mercury went up to 120. So I got it up to 120. And I kept going faster until the needle went down past the edge of the dash. I don't know how fast I was going. Probably 130 or more. Um, Stupid. That's really stupid, okay? I usually show better judgment than that, I think. I didn't know a thing about the limits of tires or what happens when when cars have an emergency at that speed. God spared my life (laughs) in a poor judgment, stupid moment, as he did others, okay? As he has in your moments of poor judgment. But we spend our lives trying to figure out what others are thinking, don't we? 
or ask if they were thinking. It's a, parent, it's a, a question that, that parents ask teenagers all the time, okay? When we love someone, what they are thinking about becomes critically important to us. We might try to get them to tell us what they are thinking with phrases like, a penny for your thoughts. So what and how we think are very important to who we are, like right now. You know, what are you thinking about? You don't have to tell me that, but I ask you that so that you'll be more conscious of your thoughts and what you're thinking about in this service. The Lord told the prophet Isaiah in chapter 55, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now, thankfully, we do have God's word where he gives us truth like these verses. When we, so then when we try to imagine how God thinks without him specifically telling us how he wants to understand him, we're usually wrong. There's a word in our language, and, and it's not something that you use in conversation every day, so hold on to your seats, okay? Anthropomorphism. Have you ever heard that word? <laughs> There's someone laughing in the back. Yeah, really, okay. It means that we take human emotions, ways, intentions, and we apply them to God. In other words, if I think this way, he does too. In this passage of Scripture, God is telling us, you'll usually be wrong if you make those assumptions about me. Because my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. There are at least several reasons why that is a serious problem for you and me. First is the truth taught in the Bible that what happens after this life is in God's hands. So if we get it wrong about how to prepare for that moment, we end up separated from God forever and ever in an awful place called hell. And second is the truth that God blesses us when we're in alignment with his truth, with his principles for living. So it's possible to go through life missing out on the blessings of God in our lives, his blessing on our work, his blessing on our finances, our relationships, every aspect of our lives that he wants to bless us in. Third is the truth that God wants to totally transform the way you and I think about life once we come to know him. There are a number of scriptures that teach that, but let me give you several. One speaks to what happens to you when you put your trust in in Jesus Christ as Savior, ask for his forgiveness for your sin, invite him into your life where he will make you into the person that he wants you to be, what in fact you can't do without his help. Romans 12, 2. Okay? Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. There's a a way of thinking that characterizes all of us before we come to know Christ. Before we put our trust in him, we can't know God and we can't do anything right from God's perspective. We like to think we can. And God tells us in this passage we just read that it will be necessary for us to make a choice that we will no longer conform to the way of thinking that is anti-God, self-serving, and actually in alignment with Satan's rebellious and evil ways of thinking. 
We like to think that we naturally have some goodness on our own. That, you hear this pretty regularly, don't you? If someone does something nice, you think, oh, you know, at heart all people are good. God tells us, no, you're not. The change needed in our lives is radical. It's so big that Paul in this verse calls it a transformation, a renewing of my mind or yours. Only after that happens will you or I be able to understand God's will for our lives and how he wants us to live. Thankfully, he loves us enough to want to help us to change. I want you to think with me for a moment. Have you taken the stand that God asked you to take in this passage? And and it's a good principle in general to pray through the scriptures because that's God's revealed will for you, okay? But here's a prayer that would be based on what we read. With your help, Lord, I will stop conforming to the world's way of thinking. Transform me, renew my mind daily, even hourly, so I can have the thoughts, desires, and ambitions that are like yours. Brothers and sisters, this is a process that won't end until you go to be with the Lord. There are many reasons for that. One being that there are certain things in our lives that, that hang on, that are harder for us to give up. The other thing is that life keeps changing. Who would have thought 20 years, 25 years ago that there would be a little device called a smartphone that would constantly distract us? That's an image that is very, very clear in all of our minds. You go into a restaurant and there's six people sitting around a table and they're all going like this. I was just like, really? That that little device has great potential for enhancing our lives. At the same time, it can keep us from really listening and interacting, not only with people, but with the Lord. How about the fact that there would be a thing called the Internet, full of more information than we can or should take in, much of which is counter to God's truth. I'm sure you can think of many other things we have to react to that that require us to have spiritual discernment or understand with a renewed mind. Let me ask you again, what are you thinking? Can you look at how you are thinking about God, people, work, family, actually all of life, and see that it's different than the way you looked at it last year, even Months ago, because your outlook is being transformed, your mind is being renewed by the Holy Spirit. I think most of us are glad there's no way to test for this, in a way, for other people to test each of us. Uh, We don't rate people in church to see who is this level and this person is this level. and this. We don't do that, okay, thankfully. So for now, it's, it's just your perception of whether you've sensed a change. One time I had a Christian wife tell me, my husband is so different than he was before he came to Christ. And she meant that in a good way. It was better for her and the whole family. Now that's a pretty good indicator. Okay, When your spouse or your brother or your sister, co-worker or close friend notices the difference in your life. You want some specific areas to pray about here. Look at the fruit of the Spirit list in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Now I believe that that when, uh, well, we all quote uh, Romans eight twenty eight, right? 
For we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose and so on. You've read that one. What, did you ever read the next verse? He, speaking of God, has predestined us to be conformed to the image of Christ. We are to look more and more like Jesus Christ. Okay? Um, so when you are letting God lead and strengthen you, these qualities will be true of your life in a growing way. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I add on holiness and sanctification and zeal of the Lord, you know, because this is not an exhaustive list. It's just a start on what what Jesus looks like and how we're supposed to be looking. You are more loving. You are consistently joyful. There's a peaceful manner about you as you interact with others. You are more patient and so on. That's the harder one, isn't it? Patient. And so as the Holy Spirit transforms and renews your mind or how you think, you will keep growing in these areas. It will be obvious to you and likely show up in how you interact with the people around you. Remember that you and I can't change ourselves. This is not a a self-improvement process that I'm talking about. Like you, I find it hard, actually impossible, to change myself. So we can all breathe a collective sigh of relief. Let's just take a moment and take it. Maybe you haven't been breathing till now. Okay, let's just take a deep breath. Okay, ready? Sigh of relief. God doesn't expect me to do this on my own. He doesn't, he's in, up in heaven with that stern look on his face. Come on, Clyde, get your act together. No. He, he offers to forgive and save us if we trust him. And after we make that choice, he will change the way we think to be more and more like him. Now, you and I do have a part in that, though. When you trust in him as Savior, he comes to live within you as he did for me. I can't explain that, but the Bible tells me that that's what happens. Okay? Bible speaks of Christ in you, the hope of glory, in Colossians 1.27. And again, in 1 Corinthians 6.19, we are called the temple of the Holy Spirit, a place where God dwells. When Jesus comes into your life, that breaks the power of Satan and sin in your life. You then have the potential and the power to become a growing Christian. But unless you and I pray to Jesus about that, telling him that we really want him to be in charge, that we sincerely want to grow, and want him to change our way of thinking, it won't happen. My friend, Jesus wants a relationship with you, where you let him speak to you through his word as you read it, and pray for him to give you understanding of what it means and how to apply it to your life. I try to come to him every day. I admit to him in prayer that I'm powerless to change myself. You know, kind of like what Jesus said, without me you can do nothing. Do you know those words? (laughs) The Bible teaches that while we are being transformed into a new person with Christ in our lives, there's a part of us called the flesh. Okay, I'll give you the other name, the old man. Old man is not a reference to your age or what I now am, okay? Okay. But to a person who still wants his or her own way, he or she is selfish and and resists everything that God wants to do to change them on the inside. So the irresistible power of that flesh or sinful nature part of us is essentially broken when we're saved. 
The spiritual reality, however, is that it doesn't just go away and leave us alone. Don't we wish that were the case? A tug of war begins. Maybe you've read about the tug of war in Romans chapter 7. And see if this doesn't sound familiar, and if it isn't your testimonies, it is mine, okay? I don't understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to to do, I agree that the law is good, as it is, is it's no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do, no, the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. And by the way, that, that, that isn't what the old comedian used to say, the devil made me do it. It's not that, okay? Just so you understand. So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. And then he asks this question, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. There's some who believe that's when, when the Apostle Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit. We don't know for sure. But anyway. So we, we can change how we think with Christ's power. But it's a battle. It's a struggle. We not only have our old nature still trying to think and act like it always did before we trusted in Jesus as Savior, we also have Satan, the enemy of our souls, constantly trying to drag us back to our old ways of thinking and doing things away from God. Praise be to God. As we sang earlier, Jesus won the victory over death and Satan and sin when he rose from the dead. John wrote, the one who is in you, one who is in you as a believer in Jesus Christ is greater, greater than the one who is in the world. The, the, the world's system or natural way of thinking is against God and is ruled by Satan. So while God rules the universe, he has given Satan some authority over this world. But Jesus, the one who lives in us as believers, is greater and stronger than Satan. In fact, there's no match. But only if you stay close to Jesus. Pray for and use the authority he has given you over Satan. And friend, you have to be active in the spiritual battle. The Apostle James gave us this important teaching in chapter 4. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil. And he will flee from you. Man, I love that word flee. It talks about how fast the enemy has to get away from us when Jesus tells him to. Uh, notice that submitting to God comes first. We're letting him lead us each and every day. And from that strong place, we resist the devil. And he has to leave because our all-powerful Jesus tells him to. Let me ask you again. What are you thinking? Transformed, renewed thoughts that help you see things from God's perspective? How to react to a family member who is pushing your buttons? Anybody can do that better than a family member who knows you? Knows exactly where to get you. How about the person you work with who needs the Lord but is impossible to work with or is living for far different purposes than you are. 
Are you thinking how you can be part of what God is doing in this world? How to sort through all of the information that is coming at you all the time. How to stand against the many ungodly temptations and priorities that bombard you every day. Most of us come to worship services like this every week so we can worship and glorify God. One of the main reasons we're here is to help shape our thinking about our lives and our relationship with God. To counteract the the mindset or thinking that we're bombarded with from television and media, that is, from people who don't know the Lord. But you can't really stand strong in your faith if that's all you do. You know, just attend church for an hour or so every week and never read the Bible or pray. The Bible tells us that meeting together is a critically important part of living for the Lord and being strengthened in our faith. So cheers for you for being here today, okay? But the main event is your time alone with God where he can shape your thoughts. What are you thinking? There are many uh, scriptures about thinking. I like Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true... Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure. You got that? You got four in your list so far? Okay. Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about things like that. Now, this is a, a wonderful list of filters or qualifiers to test what you and I think about. Is it true in relationship to God's revealed truth in the Bible? Is it noble? The high road as far as conversations with other people. Is it right in the sense of what God tells us is right? Is it pure? Does it line up with God's way of thinking in relationship to sexuality? Staying pure in every relationship, saving yourself sexually for God's ordained blessing in your marriage with a man if you are a woman, or a woman if you are a man. Would Jesus tell or listen to that joke? Folks, I want to tell you that that pornography will take you in the opposite direction of pure thinking. God will deliver you if you've given in to this temptation. He will transform your mind, cleanse and renew it if you ask him to and let him strengthen you so that you don't go back there. Whatever is lovely... Whatever is admirable from God's perspective. And it must be excellent or praiseworthy, not junk or worthless stuff. Man, that's a pretty amazing list, isn't it? Not exhaustive, but a high standard on what to think about. Another great passage on thinking and how to let God help you control what you think about is 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. Apostle Paul reminds us that we cannot win this war in what we think about in our own strength, okay? For though we live in the world, he says, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. And you guys see that every day, don't you? So you know how the world fights. You know Who can dominate the argument? Who can be most forceful, abusive, or threatening? What you can do in your own strength. This is, I think, particularly evident today in the cancel culture we see around us. Don't listen. 
just shut the person down and discredit them. It's, it's the, in the angry, divisive language that we hear continuously now. My brother or sister, this is not the way Christians approach life or its battles because we understand that we're in a spiritual battle. Ephesians 6, where Paul tells us to put on the, the armor of God, he tells us why we need that in verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, in other words, people. That's our natural tendency. You know, it, it's, the, it's my spouse. It's, it's my neighbor. It's my coworker. It's some other person. And Paul said, no. Here's who we're up against. The rulers against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. When people don't know the Lord, Satan can work in and through them to make life miserable for you and other people. Like you needed me to tell you that, right? They don't, the, the, those people who are a part of that don't understand it. Even if you try to explain, well, this is a spiritual... No, they won't understand that. You just need to keep that in the back of your mind that a spiritual battle is going on and you can't go against that successfully on your your own. You need the power of God. So back to 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4, remember? He said that we don't fight with the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds, the spiritual weapons that we use. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And, note this phrase, we take every, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. In Paul's case, he was writing about those who had criticized him and, and, and misled the young believers that he had discipled. And so a bunch of thoughts that didn't really line up with God's truth in Christ had been spoken into the minds of these young believers. And he wanted to take, wanted them to take every one of those wrong thoughts and hold it up to the light of the truth that we have in Jesus. You and I have, have thousands of thoughts as well as ideas and decisions that come at us every day. How can we live as believers in Jesus with transformed and renewed minds whose thoughts are in agreement or in line-up with, with God's truth in the Bible. I mean, Jesus said, you know, in verse uh, John 14, 15, if you love me, you will obey what I command. So if you have a sincere love for Jesus, it will be reflected by your response or obedience to what he tells you to do. So he's telling us through the Apostle Paul uh, to take captive every thought To do what? Make it obedient. It's Jesus Christ. Because we love him and we want every part of us to be obedient to him. Now I think that that most of us here today would be kind of hurt. Maybe this has happened to you. Would be hurt if someone accused us of being a hypocrite. That hurts, doesn't it? Every once in a while they may see us react in a way that isn't consistent with our claim to be a Christian or with how they think a Christian should act. And they're under conviction because of the way we're living. And so they're looking like a Pharisee for anything that doesn't seem to add up to them in their minds. Okay? Now here's the question this morning. 
If someone could know your thoughts, your thoughts, would they say they are hypocritical because of your claim to be a Christian? Now, please hear me, dear one. My point is not to make you feel guilty. Okay, not at all. But for all of us to be conscious of what we're thinking about and take every thought captive to Jesus Christ and make it obedient to him. I have to do that in my quiet time every day. You know? I have a, I, what, I, what some would call, uh, what my wife would call, <laughs> a single track mind. I've tried to explain to her, if I'm watching TV, I am not listening to you. You are out there somewhere. I just, I don't hear a word, okay? So I've got this single track mind. I have times when my mind is wandering. This single track mind, while I'm praying for something, I'm thinking about something else. Some of you women would say, well, then if you can do that, why can't you listen to your wife while you're watching TV? Anyway, okay. But talk about a moment of truth when the Holy Spirit convicts. In that moment, I feel like I've only been going through the motions in my time with the Lord. Hmm, Got another devotional out of the way? No. So I, I stop and I take those stray thoughts captive so that they are obedient to Christ and are focused on what I'm praying about. Let me do that again, Lord. <laughs> Sorry about that. Holy Spirit, help me to take thought, every thought captive, okay? Think about the times when you're, when you're singing songs or hymns in, in, a, in a service and your thoughts are not really into it. That's the same thing, isn't it? How many times has your mind wondered while I'm preaching? Don't answer that. I don't want you to hurt my feelings, okay? <laughs> or while we're reading the scriptures. Believe me, I'm there, okay? I've been in services where the preacher is supposed to be listening to another preacher and I'm just not doing very well. But there's a, there's a battle going on for your thoughts all the time when you're in here, but even more when you don't have Christians worshiping all around you. I think most of us would admit that it's pretty easy to be a Christian when you're in church and with about, around a bunch of Christians. This isn't bad, is it? It's not too hard. While the Holy Spirit is enabling you to worship and hear the spiritual thoughts, He wants you to remember your old nature and Satan are trying to keep you from thinking God thoughts, of focusing on His truth. If you don't know Jesus, Satan actually has another strategy which Jesus told us about in the parable of the sower. Matthew 13, 19 teaches that when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. I had an experience that was startling to me and a perfect example of this. I had a friend that I grew up with in Alliance Church. We went to, you know, every time the church was open, we were there, okay? We were there on Wednesday night. We were there on Sunday morning for Sunday school and then Sunday uh, for morning worship. And then we were there for youth group before the evening service. Then we went to the evening service. I mean, we were really in church. Then we went to Youth for Christ meetings on, on Saturday nights and went to Youth for Christ inspirations after the evening service. It's just like, are you saturated yet? I mean, you know, it's just like crazy. So anyway, uh, this one who had gone through that indoctrination like I did, uh, he had trouble in his marriage. His wife took out a PFA on him, and he comes to me just broken. And, and I just felt led to share the gospel with him. And he accepted Christ in my office. Praise the Lord. 
But what he said to me was stunning. Thank you. I've never heard that before. He'd heard it hundreds, if not thousands of times. But Satan had snatched the truth from his mind. Folks, that's why we need to be praying for pre-believing people in services. I like to don't call them unbelievers. I want to call them pre-believing. That means hopefully they're on the journey toward the Lord. We need to pray for pre-believing people in the services that are sitting seated around us, Lord. Uh, uh, we want them to hear the, the, the gospel and for it to stick. Okay, But let's come back to, to many of us who do know the Lord. I challenge you to remember the battle lines. We might like to think that the, the battle is just getting here on Sunday mornings, and that is part of it. Hopefully you didn't fight on the way to church today. Okay, But the main, the main battleground is in, in your thoughts. How do you think about God? How do you think about this world and what's going on right now? God is raising up followers to be part of a kingdom, to be ruled by his son Jesus. And there is an unseen evil force, Satan and his demons, who are fighting as hard as they can to take you away from God, to get you to think about everything else but him, because they hate Jesus and they hate you. They want you to be separated from God now and forever. They have infiltrated every media to turn your thoughts away from God. God offers you his power and understanding to win against these enemies of your soul. He doesn't force them on you. That when you refuse to accept them, you live in perpetual failure, never experiencing all that God has for you. What are you thinking. I'm glad you're here today. You may sound like I'm mad at you with what I'm saying. Not at all. I'm, I'm glad that you're here in person or online. I'm glad that you, you, you were singing and you were reading the scriptures, that you actually look like you're listening while I'm preaching. But the question is, what are you thinking? You know, it's possible for you to get away with thinking what is the opposite of how you're living. We sometimes compare what a person says with how they live, and, and the, the term hypocrite gets thrown at them. Okay? But who knows your thoughts? I mean, really? Only you and God. We rarely share what we're thinking with our spouses or closest friends, even if we would tell them all if we told anything. The scriptures tell us that God looks on the heart, which includes your thoughts and motivations. I've invited you to reflect on what you're thinking this morning so that your thoughts will line up with what you say and how you act. God wants to help you know him better and think rightly. Think rightly about him and all that's going on around you. He's willing and ready to give you correct thoughts and motivations by his Holy Spirit if you will seek him in prayer, reading his word, worshiping with God's people, hearing the word of God, so that his truth predominates and guides your thoughts toward Jesus. Let's bow in prayer. One of the things that Satan will use in a service like this is for someone to come in and be confused by what they're hearing because they don't understand spiritual truth. 
And if so, that's a God moment for you. God is just showing you himself and that he desires to know you better, wants you to know him. And he will save you. If you will just come to him and say, Lord, I forgive me for my sin, come into my life and save me and transform me, renew my mind so that I can come into relationship with you. If you will do that in a, in a sincere prayer or something similar to that, he will come into your life and he'll take care of the rest. So I, I just encourage you to pray that simple prayer and start the journey with Jesus. Lord, my, my prayer is for the rest of the folks, dear ones here who know Jesus, but um, have struggled at times in the battle with the thoughts as I have. And Lord, we come humbly before you today to confess our need of you, our need for the Holy Spirit to help us take captive every thought to Jesus. Lord, to think on the the uh, on on those things that are are on that wonderful list of praiseworthy and pure and good. We want to think all of these things the way that you want us to, Jesus. We know that there's blessing in that, and that's what we want, Lord. All that you have for us. We trust you, Lord, for these blessings and thank you so much for your desire to draw us close and give us understanding. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.